The president tweeting just a few hours ago saying the NFL players are at it again, taking a knee when they should be standing proudly for the national anthem. Numerous players from different teams wanted to show their outrage at something that most of them are unable to define. They make a fortune doing what they love. Be happy, be cool is the message from the president. Fans are playing so much money to watch and enjoy. Football game is no place to protest. Most of that money goes to the players. Anyways, he continues, he continues, he continues. You know, that's a typical Trump tweet that we've seen. However, it's wrong on so many levels. It's incorrect because the fact that he even says uh, the players get most of the money from the fans spending to go to the game, that, that's just untrue because fans actually... The money they spend on going to the game, the players receive less than 50% of that revenue. Also, they're saying the players are unable to define the message or the issue, and that's just untrue as well, because on many occasions, they all clearly state that it's about police brutality, systematic oppression, racial inequality. Some notable players who, have, who uh, were protesting last season continue their protests. Um, Malcolm Jenkins of the, uh, the Eagles raised his fist in the air. Um, Kenny Stills of the Dolphins kneeled. Be happy, be cool. You are be now happy, listening cool. to the be podcast happy, be cool. for your be punk happy, be cool. ass. Be happy, be cool. So we look at President, happy, President cool. Trump and why he loves the NFL. We see that there were owners, eight owners, who donated to the Trump campaign. Now that's their right to donate to the candidate. Now we know most professional sports owners are Republicans. Why? Because Republicans make people rich how less taxes less taxes less taxes less regulation in other words if you have a business there's no rules it doesn't matter let the, the consumer beware they don't care but you cannot link politics to one issue because there are plenty issues so i'm gonna give you the names of these eight owners of these football franchises who donated money to the trump campaign so in other words i had a vote but in addition, I'm gonna donate money, why? Because ads cost money. You have to pay for the volunteer staff, the telephones, the office. So I have one vote as a billionaire, but I have money to what? Give money to the campaign to do what? Get my voice and my agenda out here. Now here are the eight folks. Owners, Woody Johnson, New York Jets. Woody Johnson donated $1 million to the Trump campaign. Woody Johnson has the last name Johnson, which if you just add another Johnson to it, you get Johnson and Johnson, and that's pretty easy to figure out where the money came from. Yeah, the Jets, I confess, I like the Jets like the New, New York, York Mets. Rex Ryan kept trying, but just couldn't connect. So maybe Sam Don knows the next Broadway Joe. I just never want to see another butt fumble. We have Robert Kraft, New England Patriots. Robert Kraft donated $1 million to the Trump campaign. Robert Kraft is the son of a dressmaker from Boston and owns the Kraft Group, a diversified company that has assets in paper products, real estate, and private equity. Yeah, the Patriots with Tom Brady getting closer to the end of the road. Yo, it's still hard hard to believe how they lost in the bowl with Edelman on the juice that's just another excuse but if Grunk can stay healthy how the hell can they lose Jerry Jones Dallas Cowboys Jerry Jones donated one million dollars to the Trump campaign do you know how Jerry Jones got his money it's not as cut and dry as others but we do know he borrowed some money from the Teamsters to open up some shaky pizzas in Missouri that didn't work out, but again, he borrowed some Teamster money and did what any smart Texan would do, start an oil business in Arkansas. Now the Cowboys, yo, they ran Dez out of town, boy. That's the quarterback in Witten retired. And the man said, they all better stand for the anthem. And we'll see if finally Jason Garrett gets fired. Dan Snyder. 
Washington football team. Daniel Snyder donated $1 million to the Trump campaign. Dan Snyder is a college dropout who, along with his sister in 1989, founded Snyder Communications and sold billboards in doctor's offices. In 1992, he expanded into telemarketing and kept adding pieces of his company until 1998, it was worth a billion dollars. Redskins is disrespectful of Native Americans. Alex Smith's the quarterback and Kirk Cousins is gone. Florida State Seminoles, yeah, there's nothing subliminal. Chicago Black Hawks acting like nothing is wrong. Shahid Khan. Jacksonville Jaguars, one of the only minority order, uh, owners in the league. Now it's funny, he supports Trump, but then he gives a big bash against Trump's immigration. You see the game, folks? Shahid Khan donated $1 million to the Trump campaign. Born in Pakistan, Shahid Khan came to America in 1967 at the age of 16 with basically nothing to study engineering. He worked at a manufacturer while attending grad school and eventually founded his own company called Bumper Works in 1978, buying his former employer two years later. Bumper Works supplied the big three automakers with parts and by 1989 became Toyota's sole supplier of bumpers. And in 2011, the kid from Pakistan, now a naturalized U.S. citizen, owned a $3 billion company. That same year, he purchased the Jaguars, becoming the first ethnic minority to be an NFL owner. I see the game, yo, the Jags, yeah, the rise in the fame with Doug Marone at the helm, defense is the name. Yo, if Bortles is immortal, he can make his career in Jacksonville, Florida, the saying this is the year. This is the year. Bob McNair, remember him? The Houston Texans, that's it. Robert McNair donated one million dollars to the Trump campaign. Bob McNair founded Cogen Technologies, which he sold for a fortune in 1999 to Enron, and he owns a couple of power plants in New York and West Virginia. He now chairs an investment group and famously said that you can't let inmates run a prison in regards to the anthem protests in one of the poorest choices of words ever. Yeah, the Texans, if Bill O'Brien is the warden and he runs the asylum, Deshaun Watson is the inmate, is it like Rikers Island? And he ain't even say it right, he said running the prison. So Houston, he has a problem if the team isn't winning. Next, we have Stan Kroenke. Owns the Los Angeles Rams, the Denver Nuggets, and the Colorado Avalanche. He owns three teams, and he owns the MLS soccer team. Stan Kroenke donated $1 million to the Trump campaign. Los Angeles Rams, Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke got his money in real estate through shopping centers and apartment buildings. He also married one of the richest human beings on earth. The Rams regained a lot of fans moving back to LA. And with LeBron coming to town, the city's well on its way. Just depends which role Sean McVay will portray. So put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. And last but not least, Edward Glazer, owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, he donated to both parties. Now, that's trying to be slick. Because end of the day, if you're a billionaire, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, you're winning on both sides. Edward Glazer donated $250,000 to the Trump campaign. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Brian Glazer, Edward Glazer, Joel Glazer, and his wife. Oh, would you look at that? We've come full circle now as the Glazers made their money in both the oil and the real estate. Yeah, the Buccaneers. Yo, Jameis is getting famous for doing real dumb shh. Groping Uber drivers, yeah, and grabbing it all. He better grow up quick and start steering the ship before the Bucks is bad luck because Mariota's legit. So people that say these elections aren't important, they are important. That's why these owners give money. I need more than just one vote to make sure my guy wins. I want to make sure they have money to run a campaign, to buy ads, to let other people support my view. 
This is why Colin Kaepernick took a knee. What other platform does he have? He doesn't have the money, the resources. A one election cost Obama billions of dollars. So to get my point, and my point is awareness. It's not even policy. We're making you aware of police brutality. He's not saying go out. I wish you'd go out and go to these local police forces, create policies, civil review boards, and all that stuff. But while these owners are giving money, that's what they're sanctioning. I guess Edward Glazer did donate a million dollars. He just split it up four ways between Trump, Ted Cruz, Hillary, and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> but Dave, listen to what Stephen A. had to say. He had an interesting perspective on the whole thing. At some point in time, if you're the National Football League players, you're going to have to really zero in on what you're trying to accomplish and what you do is going to have to be aligned in unison. It can't be some people taking the knee, some people standing but raising the fist, others putting their arms around you, others electing not to or whatever, because it gives the impression that everybody is not on the same page. And by doing so, it buffers the arguments of dissenters against their protest. And I think that's what they have to be cognizant of moving forward. That's what it's all about. Policies, not personalities. Orientation, not pigmentation. Isn't Clarence Thomas Black Beaks? Is he? Look at his pile. He's killing black people. He's horrible. As a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks. But he's blacker than you and me. He's from South Carolina. He's black, black, bro. I've been to Savannah. I'm telling you, that's that black. Unequivocally, uncategorically, I deny each and every single allegation against me today. Doesn't matter. His policies. So it's not his pigmentation, it's his orientation. Look at Chris Long. He's white, but he's progressive. He's doing something, saying something. And that's the problem. We need more white athletes to start talking about white oppression. Brady, Aaron Rodgers, stop saying these little slick statements. They need to get engaged. One player making his opinion known as Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. In comments to NFL.com, Rodgers, who is white, implored people to remember the real issues behind the protests. He also said players need to, quote, learn to ignore statements against the league from President Trump. So these white athletes, just like white Americans, more must get engaged. You know, Beaks, only 30% of white people voted for Obama in 2008. 30%, 3 in 10. So yes, we talk about how far we've come and all the other statements and we start crying, but the reality is we have such a long way to go, even longer. But until these white athletes, and we're talking, you know what I'm talking about, the big name ones, not the third string defensive tackle out of damn Duquesne. No one's listening to him. We're talking about the big ballers, the quarterbacks in football. Matt Scherzer in baseball, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout. I don't know. He does. I don't, man, this guy is one of the most unknown superstars in sports. Until they say something, this will continue. Black athletes take the hit. White fans go crazy. And these white guys just keep getting paid. This is a problem. But they talk about justice. They don't know what they're talking about. So they need to get more engaged in this. Like we said, all, but I need my white folks to stand up. Get in the game. Put me in the game, coach. Get off the sideline. Be happy. Be cool. This is a showdown in which the NFL players are still not going to relent. Lou, they will not stop. This will continue through the midterms. And Republicans are foolish 
running for Congress if they don't talk about it. Be happy. Be cool. So we see, folks, that protests can make a difference. You don't have to be rich. Colin Kaepernick's not a billionaire. And money talks. I'll put you like this. I think when we look at capitalism, or what we call racial capitalism, that black folks know we're a minority, but we spend a lot of money. So we put you over the top. In other words, if black folks left tomorrow, Coke will still be number one. But our money makes Coke an additional X amount of money. You see what I'm saying? So and that's why what they did to Roseanne Barr, ABC got rid of her, that they know in the culture, when you start dropping N-bombs, calling Valerie Jarrett, now this woman's like a third generation black elite, father's a judge and all other stuff, a monkey. I didn't know she was African-American. We've said that after this is not gonna be tolerated in mainstream culture. Be happy, be cool. We know what we're saying. Now Roseanne Barr can say it in her friends, at her house, at the pool, with the little friends. You can say whatever you want to say. Her skin tone is like mine, and I'm brown. But when you're on ABC, when you're on a place that black folks spend money, Papa John's, they supported Morehouse College with paying us money to put their ads up. You see, so we do have an impact on economics in this culture. This is why that drives people crazy. You cannot say white people like said, well, you just can't say the, if Well, you can't say it, but there's going to be a repercussion. And that's why companies do what they do. You see on that. However, the same companies will not fire you for not promoting black folks. You see the, the covert racism. Hey, you know, we never had a black woman supervisor in 30 years. Well, guess what? You're never going to have one. We're not going to see the same impact when you don't have enough black coaches. But let a white person say N-word, everybody goes crazy, because that's easy, Beaks. That's simple. Yeah, but and also with the large amount of African-American players in the NBA and the NFL, they should definitely be able to make an impact, Dave. Without a doubt, 70%. Yeah, yeah the numbers are 70%, there. 70 I mean, 75%, 80% NBA, 60% NFL, they can have an impact. I mean, LeBron James has an impact with his whole free agent stuff. Le'Veon Bell, now he's 27. He might be the first real free agent. God forbid he does not get hurt, who's in his prime, and he want, he's getting receiver money in a position where he lasts three years. So hopefully Bell can make it through the year and see what happens, because free agency in football, by the time you're 30, you're done. So he's getting wide receiver money, he'll be 27 in his prime, and looking for a, quarter, looking for a big payday in a sport with no guaranteed contracts except that quarterback for the Vikings. Right? <laughs> Kirk Cousins, mediocre. Guaranteed, he worked the system. You see, so hopefully Le Le'Veon Bell will get a nice big con, but I pray that he does not get hurt. It's all based on his health. Ankle high sprain, a knee, a hip will, will be a big time devastating impact on his future earnings in NFL. The NBA guarantees contracts. Same with the NHL, so does Major League Baseball. The NFL, the sport with the highest risk of injury, doesn't guarantee all contracts. How come? It's very difficult for players in the NFL to get leverage. But Kirk Cousins is not the norm. He agreed to a three-year, $84 million contract, becoming the highest paid player in NFL history and the first quarterback to sign a multi-year, fully guaranteed deal. Football is brutal. That's why they need guaranteed contracts. That has to be. How are you going to get that? Unfortunately, I think Richard Sherman said they need to boycott. But Jason Whitlock would say, well, these folks are becoming millionaires. Well, at some point in time, enough is enough. 
maybe three-year guaranteed, or somewhere along the line, you need a guaranteed contract in football. Think of all the guys that sign and don't make it one year, two year, to get a pension. You got to play, I think, four years to get a pension. So you know if I'm a team, I'm going to cut you in 3.8 years. So I have to pay you. You see what I mean? The NFL is a plantation financial system trapped in the 14, in the eight, 19, early 1900s, and hopefully the players can make that difference in terms of getting better money, better support, and better security. Yeah, that's also another issue that they may end up boycotting over, or at least the players could wear some sort of uh, glove or something, socks, along with their uniform as a symbolic gesture to make their statement, but I'm sure the league and the fans would still have a problem with that as well. Right, or well, if you wear black socks or a black badge to honor something like that, there'll be a problem. Yeah. You know, well, today's 50th anniversary of John Carlos, I'm going to wear, and Tommy Smith, I'm going to wear a black batting glove. Exactly. You see what yeah. I mean? Maybe the players might mm -hmm. do that uh, this fall. It's 50th anniversary, or some black athlete might do that. In memory, there's going to be a whole big deal. Now, at the same time, no beaks, it's 50 years ago, and this is how Americans like Muhammad Ali. All of a sudden now, we'll look at it differently. It'll be iconic. It won't be the same political thing. It'll be mainstream. So it might be okay to wear the black glove on that day. Just like we did Muhammad Ali, right? You didn't like him in 68, 69, but you sure loved him in 96. Up there almost got burnt to death trying to light that damn fire in Atlanta. You see, so again, if it happens, which will be great, they'll spin it as almost like we accepted it back then when those two guys were not accepted, they were marginalized, vilified, demonized, but you support Brett Kavanaugh, you support Mike Pence, you support all these owners who are billionaires supporting another billionaire, you have no problem with that. But let me take a knee and there's a problem. So when the National Anthem started playing, I was not looking at the ground, I was praying the Lord's Prayer. My head bowed and my fist went up in the air. I wore black gloves to represent social power or black power. I wore socks, not shoes, to represent poverty. I wore a black scarf around my neck to symbolize the lynching, the hangings that black folks went through because what we stood for uh, was equality, a social equality. And the structure, the power structure, did not equate black folks with equality. That's our show, folks. We'll bring you another podcast for your punk ass as soon as it's humanly possible. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Dave and Beaks, because without you, there would only be us. The dark brown shades of my skin Only add color to my tears Splash against my hollow bones That rocks my soul whoa, 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 whoa. Looking back over my false dreams That I once knew Wondering why my dreams never came true Is it because I'm black? Uh -huh. Somebody tell me, what can I do? Oh, Lord. Oh, some 
something is holding me back uh-huh. Is it because I'm black? Yeah In this well of no pity I was raised in the ghettos of the city Yeah, oh Lord Mama, she worked so hard to earn every penny, yeah, oh Lord, something is holding me back, uh-huh, is it because I'm black? 